Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, simulcast on Stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111, We had a lot of interviews yesterday. We have a lot of interviews scheduled for tomorrow, but we only have one interview scheduled for today. So... I know some people have been trying to get in, and we've been doing a lot of interviews and, and talking. And so this is a good day if uh, you want to talk about the Saints or the NFL and the quarterback situation or, you know, UL or LSU basketball or, you know, UL or LSU baseball or softball, any of that stuff. Certainly this is a good time to do it. Uh, good day to call in, and, and we'll have a great chance of, of getting you on so we can can do those discussions. The Pelicans, I mean, they didn't just lose last night. They got beat 18 at the Lakers. Um, my first question, several questions or comments about the results of that game. One of them is, one of the problems for the Pelicans is Murphy scored two points, started the game, scored two points points that's not good now he only played like 20 or 21 minutes but he only scored two points now D'Angelo Russell like what are the chances that he's gonna be the missing piece for the Lakers like could he really like he scored 21 points and and seven assists last night I don't know in 28 minutes I don't I don't personally see it with D'Angelo Russell um, but I mean, there's a chance he's Russell Westbrook wasn't working out. So it's not like he can be, I mean, not to say Russell was bad this year, but like that yeah. dynamic with LeBron and Russell never seemed like it was ever in a great spot. So now you have a different Russell D'Angelo Russell. Um, I, I feel like the relationship could only be better. Now he had a weird exit from the Lakers a few years ago and yes. now he's back. So it's a weird storyline, but the Lakers didn't have a ton of options, and they felt like they had to get better. And, I mean, I think they got better. I don't know how much better they got. And they still have a big hill to climb to even get back into the playoff considerations. I think the West, though, I mean, obviously everyone is all high on the Suns now because they've got – we have to come up with a nickname for that guy. And, again, I don't hate him. It's just – like, he's just so wishy-washy and so – He's so, I guess, you know, this century. I mean, he's just like just such a pro- social media, and it just—I don't know. He's obviously an enormous talent, but he's just so—he's so. It's not someone that you just hate. You just like, dude. Can't you just do it a little better? You would be considered by one. You know, he's gonna be one of the all-time greats, but. I don't know that he's going to ever be respected by a lot of people as one of the all-time greats just because just the way he he does everything. But anyway, um, so not but, – but the thing about the West is it's so crowded. 
And so I think right now there's a lot other than the Suns thing, which I get because of Durant. But I don't I don't know where I don't know that we know where a lot of these teams are gonna be long term. Like there's so much that could happen over the next two months in the or six weeks in the West because it's just so bunched up. It's all, and the other thing is, I don't really love this 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 team or these teams at all, but it I certainly also don't like the narrative that a lot of people are thinking like that the Denver Nuggets are just this phony outfit and. You know, when you talk, if you say, if you make the statement, well, the West looks wide open right now because it's so jumbled, that's amplified by the fact that the number one seed is a team that most of the country thinks is phony. Like they have no real chance to get to the finals. People think that. Now, again, it's not like, oh, I, I love the Denver Nuggets. I want them to, you know, I've got Dan Issel Underoos or some or Alex English under. I don't have any of that. I don't really ever think or care about the Denver Nuggets. But I there's this part of me that wants me to see them make the finals to shut up that narrative because it's such an elitist narrative. But maybe it's accurate, too. We'll see. Well, uh, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Who you was talking about, Kevin? The Denver Nuggets. No, but uh, he's so wishy-washy or something you were saying. Oh, Durant. He's just so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, well... You like Phoenix? Do I like Phoenix? Do I think they're going to win, yeah. or do I like them? Well, do you like them? I liked Garfield Hurd when he played the Celtics in 75. No, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you today, presently today. No, I'm not, like a, I'm not a fan of the Phoenix Suns. No, sir. Okay, so no, so nobody care about what Durant feel over there. Let him do his thing. Nobody care. Just worry about your team. Or you. You so say team, the Lakers. We're about the Lakers. Don't worry about what Durant gonna do. We got our own problem. You know, we got a problem. Now, what you saying about D'Angelo Russell? Is he? Is he the? Is he the the thing that's gonna kind of glue this team together and make him consistent? Well, I don't know about all that, but the, the thing that's gonna look getting all getting <clears throat> getting all these guys Vanderbilt, Beasley, Russell, and everybody, uh, Hachimura and Bamba, and all these guys. <clears throat> It made the team move faster. It made them move quicker and faster on the perimeter, for sure, because we were too slow most of the time, playing at a slow pace and everything. So that made us real more energetic and faster and everything. I I love what Vanderbilt brings on defense. He he, he plays his butt off on defense. He's going to get all the dirty stuff done, and he want to play defense. So I like guys that want to play defense. He want to. He don't care if he scores one point or whatever. As long as he can DM somebody and, you know, and draw a couple charges and – Get his hands on some balls and get him past the lanes and stuff like that. He's okay, so that's fine. I love what him and Beasley bring to the team. But Russell, Russell go help foot because Russell can. I mean, he can score twenty points anytime he really need to. I mean, I mean, he can score. And he make he, he's a better decision maker than Russell Westbrook. That's the difference in the two when him blending in with LeBron. He can shoot it better and he make better decisions, man. He's more steady with the ball. You know, that's what makes it a, a better fit. You know, he's not he's a better player. Everybody knows Russell Westbrook is a Hall of Fame and stuff like that, but he's not – I mean, he won't really kill you with all these bad head-scratching turnovers and stuff, make you wonder, like, what, what is he doing? You know, so he'll he'll kind of – he play at his own pace. He play under control. He'll make the pass when the pass is there, or he'll shoot the three. 
he can get in the paint too because he's sneaky quick, but he him too. He plays kind of slow. But when he decides to put a gear on, he kind of gets in there and he gets in the paint and he'll pass the ball too. So he can help us, but I, I I ain't ready to sit up there and say he's the missing guy. Now well, we got him I mean, again, I'm just asking. I mean, he, he played well last night, so we'll, 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 we'll see I mean, how that well plays. He played well since he's been there. He's up again since he's been there. So, I mean, like I said, he's not a bad player or nothing like that, but I'm not going to say he's the missing piece, but he's definitely going to help us. But I think this stuff that we're going through right now, I still don't think we're gonna make the playoffs. I still don't think we're gonna make the playoffs. We gotta go. We gotta win seventeen of these last twenty-three games to have a shot. That ain't happening. How are we gonna win seventeen games in twenty-three? We ain't won four games in a row all year. So I, I don't know what people, some of these dumb Laker fans looking at you know, on TV talking about. Oh yeah, next twenty-three, seventeen and six or eighteen and five. Like what? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Seventeen and six, really? If we had won four games in a row all year, haven't been above five hundred all year, but people expect us to win seventeen out of these last twenty-three. So, like I say, I don't think we can make the playoffs. It's gonna be too tough. We still got some tough teams. We gotta play twice. Gotta play the Pelicans again, the Dumb Clippers, the Grizzlies, you know, and every Phoenix. So I don't know, man. It's gonna be tough. I don't think we can make the playoffs. If we do, it's gonna be a miracle. But we got to win at least 17 of these games to supposedly get in. I think that's what we have to do, and we can't well, do that. I mean, that's you just, put, you don't know that. That's just people talking. So, before I let you go, you didn't like Walter Davis, a North what? Carolina man? Wait, say that again? You didn't, you didn't like people talking. That's just people talking. You don't know how much it's gonna, how many wins it's going to take. No, what, what you mean, Kevin? I'm, I, I, the standards will tell you what it's going to take. Look at it. It'll show you. We can't just win three, four games and win the playoffs. Well, I agree. I mean, we got to win. A, we got to win a bunch of these games, man. Twenty-three games. We got to win a bunch of those games. We can't yes. go ten and thirteen. No, I and stuff oh, like obviously that not. It ain't happening. I mean, you got to get hot at some point. I'm just saying that. Yeah, at some yeah. point. But do we have enough time? We've been saying that all year. You got to get hot at some point. Got to go on a little run. Okay, now we got a whole new squad, basically. How long do you think it's going to take to get that? The only thing good about that, LeBron know all these players' weaknesses and strengths, playing against them all these years. LeBron is a mastermind at who, who does what or whatever. We all know that. But LeBron can't fix everything at 38 no more, man. People got to stop expecting that. We take him for granted. We don't know how great this cat has been his whole career. He can't carry yeah, everything Yeah, I mean, that, all the we time. already know that. We saw that last season and the, in, in the year before. You know? So there's no question about that. But before I let you go, you, you hated Walter Davis, a good North Carolina man. That was a number six that was good. Walter Davis. Oh, Walter Davis. <laughs> Why you hate Kevin. him? Kevin, stop eating the icing on your stuff. <laughs> stop doing that. That's okay. messing you all up. You okay. can't say Walter Davis. Have a good one. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know I liked Walter Davis. So, no, of all the old school Pacific Division teams, the Suns were the ones that I liked the most because you know I liked Westfall. I was good with Garfield Hurd, great name. I was good with Walter Davis. Hated the Sonics and the Blazers and all them teams. I want to go back to what he said about winning, you know, seventeen, eighteen games. To make the play-in tournament, they're not going to have to win nearly that many. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm. That's I think what if I'm they saying. win thirteen or fourteen games, they'll probably find their way into the ten spot because I still see some of those teams that are in the ten kind of falling down. But yeah, if they want to try to make this, you know, the playoffs without having to play in the play-in tournament, they're going to have to be unbelievably good, and I don't see that happening. 
So maybe that's what he's referring to. But yeah. either way, it's a it's an uphill climb because even if they get in as a 10 in the play-in tournament, you have to try to win a bunch of games in a row to even get in the playoffs. And then it's still at that point, what are you really playing for to get in, play a first-round series against Phoenix or you know Memphis or Denver? But Well, if Denver or Memphis are phoning like everybody tells me, that's winnable. I think Denver's shown you that they're not great in the playoffs and the play the NBA changes in the playoffs and they're not necessarily built for it. I don't think that means they can't turn around and make this year different than other years, but they've been to the Western Conference Finals once, not the NBA Finals, the Western Conference Finals once, and that was the COVID year in the bubble against the Lakers, and they got beaten five games. So as good as Jokic has been, he's won the MVP twice and all this stuff, and they've been a very good team. They still have they've always struggled in the postseason. So again, I don't like them, but it, it... I'm going to find myself kind of – I mean, I'm not going to pull for them if they play the Pelicans, but, I mean, I'm I'm going to – or the Lakers, but, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to kind of hope they do well because I, I hate those narratives. But if they keep losing, then it's going to be hard to argue with those narratives, so we'll see. All right, we've got uh, several other issues we want to get to, but we'll go – let's do this. Let's take a timeout. We will um, talk with Stevie P about several different issues coming up, including an extension of the rules. We want to get changes. We want to get his opinion on some of this and more. And then, again, we will have where you can get it on the game hotline uh, a whole second hour and the rest of the first hour today uh, to discuss whatever we need to discuss. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Mr. Stevie P. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. What about you, Kevin? Well, the weather's a little kind of kind of depressing outside, but the good news is the only thing being played around here that today, um, you know, Cajun wise anyway, is is basketball, and so we'll be fine in the Cajun dome tonight. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 you know all that stuff about. You know, football weather, all of that. Football weather stuff's overrated because, uh, you know, people that want snow and cold, you don't get that until November. And then around here, I mean, you know, it could be 90 degrees anyway. You know, and I mean, you know, basketball, I guess over the, over the summer, they tell me that's the thing about Seattle. It's not only the rain, it's the, it's the cold as well. But, you know, yeah, you're inside, deal with it. All right, so lot, lots, lots of different things, ways that we can, things that we can discuss right now that I want to get your uh, impressions on. But before we get started, uh, is there any news we need to say with uh, recreation and parks? Well, we are uh, we are right in the process, Kevin, of uh, adult basketball registration. Uh, I know there's a lot of players, a lot of teams, for that matter, that have played for years, uh, you know, years and years. So. Uh, you know what to do. For those that don't, just give us a call with the Recreation Department. My desk number is 291-8380, 291-8380, and we'll help you out. We've got uh, 
different levels for uh, you know various levels of uh, of play, depending upon how experienced you are, how good you are, all that type of stuff. But right in the middle of adult basketball registration, so give us a call at the recreation department, and also right smack dab in the middle of uh, youth baseball registration and and softball for that matter. Uh, you know, it starts off ages uh, four. Uh, five, six with uh, with our key ball and goes all the way up to ages 15 and 16. So if your youngster is, is interested in playing baseball or softball, by all means, registration going on right now through the first week of March. So give us a call at the recreation department. And again, my number is 291-8380. All right. So have you actually seen a baseball field? What it's going to look like with these new larger bases? Because... I, I I've seen a base and compare it, but it, it I wonder how goofy it's going to look. Well, you know, but have we seen that? I mean, you asked me, and I, I really don't know because I think I've kind of seen it before. You know, with at, at least a, um, uh, uh, a, a variation of it, I guess is the best way because uh, you know you have the safe base at first base in youth sports and you have it in the Olympics, you know, so to me, there's not that much of a, uh, to me, there's not that much of a difference. I've seen pictures of it, but something tells me it's going to look a whole lot different, you know, on the field of play. And I get it, you know, people talking about, Oh, well, you know, there's a big difference between youth sports and amateur sports at the Olympic level and major league baseball. I get it. But a lot of these rule changes, you know, uh, you know, we're supposed to be at the age now, Kevin, where, where we're supposed to be kind of like the fuddy-duddies. I got to tell you, these rule changes, they don't bother me as much as other people. You know, it's like the like the ghost runner thing in, in Major League Baseball. Some people are all up in arms about that. Um, look, I wish that they would play 12 innings of regular baseball, but maybe it's because, you know, I've, I've been associated with softball for a long time, and you know, they had the ghost runner. And maybe it's because you look at the statistics and past what there's not a whole lot of extra innings that go past 12 innings anyway. So, and, and, and the other part of it is last year I was telling people, I said, look, you know, when it comes to the ghost runner, get used to it because it's going to stay in Major League Baseball. And people are like, oh, no, you know, there's no way that's going to stay. I'm like, I'm telling you, maybe because I was expecting to. I'm not as much up in arms as as other people. And, you know, when it comes to the bigger base, I, I get it. It's a safety issue, and, and I get it. The first couple of weeks, it might look awfully funny. But I'm telling you, I just got a feeling that after, like, one month of play, it, it's going to be, like, second nature to these people, and it's not going to bother them a whole lot. Well, so what rule do you dislike the most, and which rule change do you think is going to actually have the bigger impact on the game? Well, I, I, I really do think that they're going to cut down on um, uh, on the pitch clock. You know, I, I, I do think that's going to have a bigger impact. I, I think that the game's going to go quicker because of that. You know, when it comes to the rule, you know, again, do I wish – that they would go ahead and keep playing, you know, extra innings the way it always has been. Yes. You know, but I'm not up in arms about it. You know, again, there's a difference. It's like, you know, you, you and I have gone back and forth on, on, on the holding call in, uh, in the Super Bowl. You know, would I have called a flag on that? Yes. I'm sorry, no. I would not have called a flag. But at the same time, I think people are too up in arms that, you know, a flag was called. So, uh, you know, I know that kind of kind of sounds like a wishy-washy answer, 
that in that you know well oh he's saying that you know he he's not up at, as much up in arms about the uh, about the rule as other people. No, I'm not. But I I, I wish that the X grantings w- w- would stay the, the way it always has been. But but here's what I'm wondering, and and again it's just a guess. We don't know what the impact is going to really be, you know, until we get a large sample size. But Okay, you take away that you you're trying to speed up the game, so you have pitchcocks and all this, but you eliminated the shift, which which gets outs at a higher rate because that's why everyone's batting average is low. So now you're on one end, seems like you're you're going to have more offense, more base runners, longer innings with more runs scored. Is that going to counteract the, the time that you save? But with a pitch clock. Well, that's a good, that's a good point. But, you know, uh, it, and, and that's something to keep in mind. But what about contact? I mean, you go back to statistics and you start talking about contact. A lot of guys are striking out, uh, number one, because they are taking more pitches. So I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. And then the other thing is that they're swinging and missing. So if they're swinging and missing a whole lot because they're swinging for home runs, it, it, to me it kind of doesn't matter you know what the uh, the shifting and and, and and you brought up something that that kind of bothers me the most you know I, I I'll take back my answer that one does bother me I mean if you want to play you know uh, other than the pitcher and the catcher if you want to play the other seven uh, people right down the the left field line as long as it's in fair territory I think you ought to be allowed to do so so yeah that one kind of bothers me the most but no I, I mean you bring up a good point. But I really think because there's so many pitches taken, because there's such an emphasis on pitch count and guys swinging for the fences a whole lot, so they're swinging from their heels and there's a lot of swings and in in, in misses. Uh, I also think that you're probably not going to see as many singles and doubles where guys used to be in the shift as, as, as there used to be. All right. So the, the Astros, I mean, it, it's – it's hard to imagine the the position that the Astros have gotten themselves into, but have you ever felt better about a team going into a season than this year? No. I mean, it, 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 never. And, I mean, I go back to, you know, the some of the early Astro teams in 81 after they won the division in 1980. And people are talking about, oh, well, you know, we had to, uh, we were, we were one win away from the Phillies from, from, from making it to the World Series in '81, and we added Don Sutton, and we added Dave Roberts, and we added all these guys. And I was like, you know, we still don't have a lot of sticks in the lineup, and you know, playing the entire year without J.R. Richard is going to be is going to be something. And then you go back to '86 and how close they were to. Uh, you know, to making the World Series that year, and they made a couple of changes. But, I mean, look, the bottom line is that they needed some offense. They go out and they get uh, Jose Abreu, who might not be the MVP guy that he was, but he's still an all-star guy. And you look at their infield with, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, Bregman and and Abreu at the corners, uh, you know, and, of course, you know, middle infield, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. They lost, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, but there's not too many guys that can, that can come in and, and, and take his spot and be a World Series MVP. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I wish they had another extra bat in the outfield, but their offense is stacked. Um, and, you know, when it comes to pitching, I mean, they lose a, a, a Cy Young guy in Justin Verlander, and, and, and it seems like nobody's really blinking an eye. So, uh, and, and also the uh, – the, the advanced number of teams in the playoffs certainly helps them. 
I mean, you know, back in our day, you know, you had the Eastern Division and the Western Division in the American National Leagues, and if you didn't win that division, you're, um, you know, you were out of the playoffs. There were a lot of good teams that missed the playoffs. But now with, with you know, one more division, you got three division, and, and, and of course you got the wild cards. With all those teams in each league, I can't see the Astros not making the playoffs, even if they have a disappointing year. Now, also, though, I think we've all kind of – I guess it wouldn't totally shock me if they picked up a free agent because there's some guys who are capable utility guys who have not signed yet. Uh, and one of them is Julie Gurriel. You know, I think it, it comes down to he, – he's, he's such a beloved guy in the clubhouse. You know, it's like the players want him there. I think management wants him there. But is there really a spot for him? I mean, he, he can play first base, and people say, well, you know, he could play some third. Well, not really anymore. I think he's out of an advanced age. You know, and he's a right-handed hitter, and Abreu's a right-handed hitter himself. How much time would Gurriel really get? And the other one is Jarrison Profar, who I think would be probably a better fit than Gurriel simply because, you know, if you're going to come off the bench, you've got to be a little versatile. And Profar is a guy that can play first. He can play second. He could play the outfield. You know, I, I think that that's a guy that the Astros might have some interest in as well. Great name, but he played for the Rangers, man. Riley might. I don't know. Right. Well, look, uh, I'm going to hope she forgets that he played for the Rangers if the Astros pick him up because it won't be a, it'll be a very, it will not be a pretty sight. Well, you know how I feel about that. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Cub guy, but you know, if they repent, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, you know, she, people make mistakes in life. She's like, she's like you. She has zero Zero tolerance for the name Nolan Ryan. Well, that's that's why she's smart. <laughs> it really is. Now, I was thinking on the way over here. You know, I'm a TV guy. Okay, you got uh, you got cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch. You got uh, uh, you got Danny uh, from uh, uh, you know the the young kid that came on on different strokes. You know, what I'm talking about the uh-huh. redhead kid. Yeah, and you got Scrappy Doo, which was the worst. <laughs> addition to a hit television show in your mind. Well, of those three, which one was the worst? I think Danny. You, Danny? Yeah. yeah but you, so you love Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> I don't love Scrappy-Doo, but Scrappy-Doo did make me laugh a few times, yes. But 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 you got to understand that Scooby-Doo was still a, a, a great cartoon, was still a great show. Uh, the Brady Bunch was on its way out. I mean, Greg was, you know, 35 playing an 18-year-old kid at the time. You know, and then different strokes was, I mean, all those, all those people were, were, were pretty close to going to jail at the time. All those kids. There. So those, those wanted the way out. I say Scrappy was the worst, but this Scooby-Doo was Scra- totally Scrappy different. was better than Scooby-Dum, I can tell you that. But let me ask you one question before I let you go, because we asked this yesterday, but we had a bunch of interviews and we couldn't get an answer. In your opinion, which superhero would you say was the biggest jerk? The, oh, got to be Batman. Because Man. all the other rest had superpowers. Batman didn't have no superpowers. He's just a rich cat. That yeah, but how does that make know. you a jerk? Well, yeah, but he would come, he would he would buy all the stuff and you know look at me, I'm Batman and all kind of other stuff. I mean, it's got to be Batman. Oh boy, I might y'all 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 telling me I'm gonna have and, I can't, I can't and Ru- he would, he, Russ he and would, I argue about boss, this. He would boss Robin around all the time. I mean, Robert never got Robin never got no love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, even Colonel uh, uh, Buck Robley got love when uh, you know he was a junkyard dog tag, tag team partner, and they had the and they had the championship. You know what I'm saying? And, and also, uh, uh, Alfred the Butler used to uh, uh, boss him around. Not, not cool to boss around uh, boss around senior citizens, cat. <laughs> 
Man, y'all are killing me with that. Batman, oh. got to be. Oh. All right, Stevie, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Been your pleasure, guy. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline again, 337-706-0111. Well, something else I saw today that something else is about to happen that I've never, an example of something that's happening that I've never understood. Frankie Montas came up with the A's. Pitching against the Astros many times. Got traded to the Yankees last year. He's having surgery on Tuesday. Well, the season ended in what? October for the Yankees? And he's having surgery on his shoulder on February the 21st. Does that? It just doesn't make any... That happens... For, like, why wait so long? I, I, I just... I've never understood why they wait so long. So they're saying, like, he might miss the whole first half of the season or who knows how long, you know. Well, we don't know when the injury happened. <clears throat> well, yeah. But. And, I mean, what it, what it very likely could have been is that he kind of rested and rehabbed in the offseason. And, you know, I'm sure that is his maintenance throwing. And then when he started trying to gear up for spring training, he re-injured it. That's very, I mean. I guess that's possible. But I I just think so often they wait too long to have these surgeries. So, the Yankees already, they, they're not going to have Montas, and Nestor Cortez has a hamstring. Now, the hamstring could be something that gets solved, you know, over the next three or four weeks, and he's going to be fine. He's not going to be able to participate as expected in the World Baseball Classic, but that's not that big of a deal if I'm a Yankee fan. But, man, they already have pitching injuries, that team. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Yes, sir. Footsie, did you see that Bally Sports might be going bankrupt? I did see that. So, um, I mean, that would impact the Pelicans potentially, right? I mean, go ahead. That's 14 Major League Baseball teams that I guess won't be getting (laughs) carried anymore. Now, and – you know, there's college sports, there's NBA teams. Now, I saw yeah. that Rob Manfred made some sort of statement that the Major League Baseball is going to figure out something. I don't, I don't know exactly what the contingency plan is going to be. But fortunately, the Astros aren't in that deal. Yeah, but the Astros aren't on, they, only certain. You have to have AT&T to get the Astros. People like me that have Cox, we don't get the Astros. Oh. But at least we won't be stuck with the Rangers. I... um. Again, I you know, I I, I do direct TV and you know, and it, and it's because of the Astros, and then you know, you just go from there. I mean, it's kind of like that's just a necessity. I it would drive me crazy if I had to, because it costs like ninety something a month to get it streaming. <clears throat> I don't know. 
I don't know. Now, footsie, I got to tell you this, okay? Maybe we shouldn't be making as much fun of Aaron Rodgers as we think we should. Because I tried the four-day, you know, darkness uh, retreat. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> so last Friday night, I, you know, I took a bath. I had to shave. Put I can't go two or three days without shaving. It just drives me crazy. So I, I took a bath. I shaved. Got in my jammy so I would be comfortable. And so I went in my closet and I shut the door. And I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there, you know, in the, in the dark, in the retreat, okay? <laughs> doing, doing just like Aaron Rodgers is supposed to do. So so I, after a while, Footsie, I decided I, I would take a nap. So I just laid down to take a nap. And Footsie, I started hallucinating. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% serious. I started hallucinating. I, and let me tell you what I saw. I saw you in a hammock. Oh, and yeah. And Michelle and Russ and the rest of your family bringing you lemonade. I like and that. I was like, man, I, I'm, I, this is one of the worst hallucinations I've ever seen in my life. And you were going... I don't care what Gary Pettis does. I ain't saying nothing about his uh, coaching in the third base box. Alex Bregman could hit 191. I ain't saying nothing. Jose Altuve, I'm not saying nothing. Bamber Valdez can catch a ball with his hand if he wants. I was like, man, this is some bad stuff that I'm doing. <laughs> so then, so I woke up, footsie. <sighs> so a little while, a little while goes by. All of a sudden, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was like, well, I have carpet in my closet. What am I supposed to do? I can't go to the bathroom on the carpet. Footsie. I, 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 I must have not thought this thing out well enough. No. Uh, I you mean, need a bucket. I, well, I didn't put no bucket in there. I, I didn't know. I, you know, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I mean, are you supposed to be in the darkness? I, I, I don't know, but I, I I can tell you my little darkness deal. The only thing I did hallucinate, I, I did have a hallucination. Of I, you I, I think hammock. I think Aaron Rodgers though is is aiding his so he's get, he's he's uh, aiding his chances of hallucinating with certain well, substances. Yeah. No. Well, maybe maybe I needed that. Maybe that would have kept me from going to the need to go to the bathroom. I, I I don't know, but whatever I did, I I I didn't do it correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. You didn't yeah, plan no, it I, out well enough. I don't think I did it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good luck. Oh, better. Uh, I ain't much into the hibernating. Although emotionally, uh, you know, I need to hibernate once the Saints season is over, uh, the way it's ended the last three or four years for sure. I've needed to to do some hibernating, but no, I don't. I don't think I would have planned that out too well either. But man, it's just so depressing as a baseball fan when you ain't even start played a spring training game yet, and you already got pitchers that are injured. That would be all. I just so too often that happens where cat waited too long to 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 have surgery. But we'll we'll you know. I mean they've had that problem for years. The Yankees like it just can't ever seem to have healthy pitchers, 
And hopefully the you know the Astros have had that problem at you know Verlander missed an entire year. Um, McCullers just always seems to be hurt, so the Astros have had that as well. Hopefully, um, the World Baseball Classic. That's the scary thing to me about the World Base. As much as I like it, and I do, but if you start getting a lot of guys injured, then it's people are going to get mad about. It. And so, hopefully, that doesn't happen, especially. Uh, for the Astros because they've got a lot of pitchers pitching in this thing, like a lot of the bullpen, several members in a rotation, all pitching. But, I mean, as long as they manage it, it shouldn't be that different than pitching in spring training. You just have to manage it properly and hope the uh, and hope, and hope they, that they do. All righty, we'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. King cake season is here and break rooms are being filled with those delicious sugar-coated pastries. That is so sweet. Just don't be the guy or gal who gets the plastic baby and lies about it. Come on. Come on, really. Step up and do the right thing, cheapskate, and buy the next cake. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. All right, so I'm going to – I've kind of endeavored to stop calling these little internet stories reports because they're not reports. I, I think I'm just going to start calling them speculation. So I read some speculation yesterday. And I don't know that I actually have ever really thought about this much at all, if at all, that and the speculation was that there's a way better chance that Ryan Tannehill is going to sign with the Jets than people are thinking. Do you buy that? I don't know if I buy that, but it made me think, what if the Saints ended up with Ryan Tannehill? And I also thought about, when I saw that speculation, Ryan Tannehill went to Texas A&M. That's where Dennis Allen, you know, he has his roots at Texas A&M. I don't know if they've ever crossed paths because, I mean, obviously, the one's a lot older. But in terms of just a relationship or having a good relationship with someone, I don't know if they've had any kind of Aggie cross paths stuff there. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's going to be 35 this year, which kind of that like, old. Yeah, that snuck up on me as well. And so when I first kind of heard, I'd I mean, have guessed like 31 or 32. Yeah, yeah, and I mean he was. Uh, I think old. he was in college a while, and of course he had the whole. You know, he changed positions. He was a receiver while he was there, but for me, he's 34 now. He's going to be 35. 35. Like, yeah, that's, that's so. Old. Again, he would fully 100 percent be like a one or two year bridge guy. He would not be. Whereas Derek Carr. At 31, you feel like if things go right, could be the guy for four or five years. But Tannehill, yeah, I, I at that age, with the way his play kind of declined the last year or so, I, I wouldn't be a huge fan of it. But when we're back to those situations of, like, there might not be much else on the market, I think he's a better bridge option than some of the other ones. Like, maybe, you know, when you get down the list, I know you would like him over Baker. So, 
It's just, but it's tough at that point. But why would the Jets want him? There's some sort of former coach situation, which sometimes that stuff is real, and sometimes we just, you know, it's it, we, you know, we 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 draw too much of a conclusion because some guy's former coach is somewhere else. Yeah, the fit doesn't really seem like it makes a ton of sense because the Jets all indications from their camp has been that they're like a quarterback away ready to go right now and Tannehill doesn't feel like a guy that you interject into that offense and makes you better I mean is he even that much better of an option than Flacco was like I maybe he has a little bit more mobile than than Flacco Flacco's just such a yeah but but you also (laughs) imagine that the mobility is going to go down for Tannehill at the age so it's only going to get so I don't know it's hard to judge him because their passing game, you know, their offense is, I don't, you know, maybe not as dramatically way to one direction than the Ravens is, but not really that different. Like, they're really run heavy, and they don't have, they, they never really, they used to have really good tight end play. They don't really have that, a really explosive tight end, so they don't they don't lean on their tight ends as much, and their receivers got better as the year went on. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, certainly one of the worst receiving cores in the league. So, no, I, I don't want any part of Ryan Tannehill, but I was like, what this speculation is anywhere near true? Don't fight the feeling. Like I'm all for the Jets signing Tannehill. Um, <clears throat> I would. Um, I just. I just. I don't know. I, I can see Rogers going to the Raiders before I see him going to the Jets. He just seems like the Raiders would fit his own. Maybe, but well, I, and I guess it depends what he wants, and I don't. We don't know that really. We really don't know because he's. I mean, it seemed for a long time like he just wanted the roster to be better around him, but now, I don't know. But but if he wants to go to the better situation and have a chance to win right away, I think the Jets is by far a better situation to go to than the Raiders. The only advantage the Raiders would have is maybe they have a little better receiving core around him, but the Jets have the defense in place. They have some guys in place. The Raiders have got to. I mean, they have to revamp their entire defense. Well, again, the Jets have a much better defense. Both of them have good running backs. One of them's a little more banged up because he's older, but he's coming off a great year. And, um, you know, the Jets don't have Adams, but they have some good young receivers. And, um, you know, Jets probably aren't quite as good at tight end, but I think offensively he's good either way he goes, either place he goes. Now, defensively, the Jets are, are, are way better. And, um, you know, obviously the division's going to be, plus you have to deal with Josh McDaniels. I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's something about that guy. I don't. Yeah, neither division is like wide open. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, you've got Buffalo in one, and but Kansas City and the Chargers in the other side. I mean, and then maybe if if Sean Payton and Russell fi- figure it out, like I don't know if I'd want any part of the AFC West if I'm trying to win right away, which Rogers at this point in his career probably is. No, I, I would no, I I agree, but um, you know, the Dolphins are pretty good. Bills are pretty good. A division's pretty good. And the Patriots 
should be a little better next year. So, I mean, I don't. I, that's not a. I, I could see everybody in that division having a winning season. Well, that's why it goes back to if I was a quarterback looking for a place to win right now, I'd want to be in the NFC. I wouldn't really want any part of the AFC, but. Obviously, not everybody can go to the NFC. Somebody's going to end up on those teams that have openings. So it's just, it's going to be tough, though. But then at the end of the day, you got to figure I mean, we're sitting there going, all these teams are good, but injuries happen. And sometimes guys oh, yeah. like to you bet on themselves. You never know what's going to happen. But I, and I also think that a lot of players and coaches don't think scared like fans do and media members do. A lot of them, you know, they're like we always say, their egos are so big, or they just. I don't think they think scared in their planning like we think scared. So we'll see how that played out. I, I don't know. I was just surprised to see. Oh, watch out. Ryan Tannehill might end up with the Jets. I'm like, what? I, didn't even, I, I never even considered that scenario. I, I don't know how many, you know. It wouldn't shock me if Ryan Tannehill never starts another game in the NFL. That wouldn't shock me. Especially that. And I didn't even. I was kind of thinking that before. Now that you're saying he's 35, like. I don't even know how he got to 35. Was he? Did he? Was he like? He must have been a 22 or 23 year old rookie. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was in college a while because remember he played wide receiver early in his career. I think he had some retro years, but he is 34 now. But I was just saying he right. would be 35 when, it, when they play. Season. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Footnotes simulcast on 32.3. Stadium 32.3 and 133 LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Like I said earlier, you've been trying to get in we had a lot of interviews yesterday got a lot of interviews scheduled for tomorrow so this is a great hour open phone lines for you to get in there's all kind of all the seasons are colliding or many of them are colliding so if you have any thoughts on any of that please feel free to give us a call and we can discuss the cajun softball team begins play in the clearwater invitational about two hours from now that game will be, um, I don't know, you know, if you're at work or you're, what access you might have or might not have to, it will be on ESPNU. They're playing Indiana. Uh, on paper, Indiana's the worst of all the teams that the Cajuns are going to play in this tournament, but they are 3-1. and one, And, um, you know, the Cajuns beat them fairly bad on the road last year, but we'll see how that goes. Well, so I wanted to ask you because our, our poll question of the day in the on RP3 was how many games do you expect the Cajuns to win in this tournament out of the six? And the most popular answer was between two and three, which I think is pretty fair and you know a good expectation to have. But um, do you think there's a chance that they're able – it starts off with the two lighter ones, Indiana and Michigan supposedly in a transition year. We'll see. I still think Michigan's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but then you have all four teams that are in the top seven over the weekend. So do you think they're they're going to be able to step up and win some I would, of those I would, I would – I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I would – I think two or three is the, is the guess to make. I, I, I'll be a little disappointed if they don't beat Indiana and Michigan. Um, you know, pretty disappointed if they don't beat Indiana. Like you said, Michigan is still a, a good, really good softball program. Uh, 
but you kind of think that they would win that game. And then you just have to try to win one of those other four. I, my guess would be three. I, I'm, I would say they win one of them. Now, any more than that would be just tremendous. But if they come back three and three, and really, I know Central Florida is not part of this thing, but I, I kind of group it. To me, it's a seven-game kind of yeah. road trip. And they're, and UCF's also ranked like top 20, I believe. So. Yeah, and so – you know, they're not like top seven like those other ones are. But, um, you know, I still kind of consider it part of this. So, you know, I think three and four is not the end of the world. They can get to that. Um, four and three would be tremendous. Um, I would guess three. But, again, it, it's so hard. We haven't seen these other teams play. It's early in the year. I do think it's better playing these teams probably early in the year on neutral sites other than the Central UCF one. And so, I, you know, if, if they go four and three, it would not shock me any more than that. That would be like, you know, whoa. You know, that would be – people would be all geeked up for that. So we've got that. Baseball starts tomorrow at Rice. Again, so much – I know pitching is probably a little more dominant or a little more important on softball than it is in baseball. But, you know, going into this Cajun baseball season, um, you know, so many of these pitchers I've never seen before. No one has seen them on the Division One level. So many of uh, many of them. Now, some of them you have. Like we saw Jake Hammond pitch. I mean, he closed at times last year. Um, it's funny because I always joke with a lot of my um, baseball chat text groups um, about how certain guys. Like Lance Lynn throws a heavy ball. Who was the old red? Aaron Harang. I used to say, man, that cat throws a heavy ball. And and that's exactly what Coach Deggs, how he described Jake Hammond, that he throws a heavy ball. So we'll see how effective he is as an opening day starter starting tomorrow at Rice. Uh, Nezu, you said you've seen pitch. So we'll see how he does. You know, McGeehee, I remember watching his dad pitch, you know, what, 30-something years ago, whatever, at Louisiana Tech. He got a cup of coffee in the major leagues, but he was a really good pitcher. And it, You know, I like pitchers. He's going to be fun to watch because it sounds like because Coach Deggs describes him as a um, like a Cueto, a Bronson Arroyo, guys that don't just line up and just try to blow you away. Uh, Marcus Stroman, they're like trying to trick you a little bit. Like they're – um, you know, they, they're they very always thinking and scheming as pitchers, not so much just lot, flat out trying to blow you away with fastballs and such. So, no, I, I, a lot of unknowns with the Cajun on the pitching staff. You know, I think Dylan Toyd is going to be the closer. Well, But, I mean, we'll see how he does. I mean, he, he – I mean, I thought he pitched well last year, but – and then guys who come from junior colleges, you know, we've seen it work and we've seen it not work in multiple examples. So just a total question mark pitching-wise. Yeah, that's like what's really tough is that when you go into a season, and I guess last year's kind of exa- a perfect example, when you go into a season and at least have like 
one or the other, the starting rotation of the bullpen figured out, or at least a couple of guys that you know, you know who your Friday night guy is, you know who your Saturday night guy is, then you feel a lot better because all you need is a couple of guys to maybe surprise you in the back end. The, with this team, now what happened last year is they had the guys in the back end and not starters, and then the back end guys became the starters because that's just what the... They just trusted those guys more, so they rode them. Right, but so this year... You don't really have the back end or the starters really figured out. You don't have anybody. I mean, we feel pretty good about Jake Hammond. We feel pretty good about Toit, but we don't have anybody where we go in and go, okay, there's a guy. Like we have no worries about how he's going to pitch. I mean, they like uh, what's his name, Fluno, but but we don't know what he's going to do. They like Ben Tate, kid from Turlins, transfer from Tulane, but we don't really know what he's going to do. So my, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're going to have to be at least somewhat pleasantly surprised, or you know. And again, they're of course they're going to trust their guys, and they feel pretty good about it. But we, or maybe they don't. We wouldn't know that. Well, they, they feel that there's more talent. Yeah, like you know, they just feel like there's more raw talent here than they had last year. And I don't doubt that for a second. But again, I've just seen it too many times where guys just struggle. Oh, they had a good fall, and then they struggle. Well, that happens all the time. And so, like last year, the guys you felt great about were Bo Bonds in the back end, and then you felt pretty good about Schultz and Talley up front, and now you don't have any of those guys. So hopefully it happens early on, and hopefully on Friday night we could sit there and after Jake Hammond throws, we go, okay, well, we got one of them figured out. But it is concerning to me that you're going to need at least you know five or six guys to, to be in huge roles, not just, oh, he's going to give us a few innings here, and maybe he'll be the seventh. Like You need guys to step into huge roles, and we haven't seen a lot of them. Absolutely. Now, Rice, again, we don't – if the Cajuns are as good as most of us think they are, they should sweep this series. But, again, it's early in the year and it's baseball. I mean, it, you know, things happen in baseball. We've seen that. Uh, Rice is still very much in a rebuilding mode. You would think the Cajuns are past that right now. Uh, so you kind of think they're they're going to win. And then, again – they open up the home season Wednesday with game one of a four-game series against BYU, who, you know, was record-wise and all was pretty good last year, but no way of knowing how that's going to play out. So we'll see. The bottom line with baseball is the early season schedule is nothing like it was last year where, you know, they opened up with Irvine, who maybe wasn't quite as good as we thought, but they still know how to play baseball. And um, and then, you know, you played Southern Miss early and you went to that freezing cold tournament. LSU's going to Round Rock this year. I don't know that they're playing the teams that the Cages played in, in last year, like Stanford and or Stunford, as we call them on this show, in, in Arkansas. And hopefully for their sake, it's not like 25 degrees like it was. I mean, I, I, I was just just sounded so miserable. I, I I think that played a big role um in 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 their in their week hitting as well last year. Now the other thing about Cajun baseball going into this season that I'm gonna be anxious to see. A year ago, Tyler Robertson made a big deal of he's gotta stop swinging at so many pitches in the dirt. Gotta start taking more pitches. Gotta work the count. Gotta get on base more. And he did that. But not a lot of other people did. This team gave up, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, like 40 to 50 more walks than they actually got. And so it's been a major emphasis. Got to start walking more. 
But if you're a if you're naturally a like Heath Hood walked 14 times last year, he's a guy that likes to swing early in the count a lot. So that's a very different approach to the plate. And so, you know, by the end of the year, Heath Hood was about the best hitter on the whole team, other than maybe Corson. And really, Corson got hurt at the very end. So Heath Hood at the very end of the year would probably was the best hitter on the team. And and so I'm anxious. I'm going to be anxious to see like how does he handle that? Like that seems like a tricky deal. Like if you play baseball the old school way, where you're trying to hit the ball, as opposed to the new school way, where you take a bunch of pitches and you're really patient. And not everybody can do that. So I'm going to be anxious to see if they can figure out a way. A lot of these guys like Heath can figure out a way to walk more increase their on base percentage and still be aggressive. Yeah, and I would I would hope and and we'll see. It's come sometimes coaches have philosophies of your approach to the plate's going to stay the same no matter what. But I like it when teams can have an approach of if nobody's on base and we're trying to get on, we're going to try to see a lot of pitches and increase our chances for a walk. But if we got runners in scoring position, let's let our hitters go hit and go up there looking to do damage early in the count. So Will they now? Last year they went up looking to do damage early in the count every single time they went up to the plate, whether there was nobody or the bases were loaded. So, yeah, will they? Will it be a differing approach? And obviously, a couple of those guys that are now not in the lineup anymore, um, like Tr, maybe that changes a little bit. But yeah, it's it's you you like hitting. You'll have days where you're not hitting. If you find ways to get on base on the days you're not hitting. It's it's a lot. It leads to a lot more consistency as an offense. Well, no question. I mean, they're on base percentage. I think it was three fifty six, and he was, uh, Coach Deggs was saying that the average of all the teams that made a super regional, the average on base percentage was in the three ninety something range. So, you know, that's forty points higher. That's a lot, and 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 so they've got to figure out a way to make that up. You know, and on the softball side, you know, one thing you got to give the coaches they've identified where they didn't quite match up. If you look at the teams that make the Super Regionals on the softball side, their their fielding percentage is, you know, high 970s, close to 980. The Cajuns haven't done that. And so they've been a hitting team, a hitting team, a hitting team. Um and so they are okay. We got to put emphasis on defense, more emphasis than we've been putting. That's that maybe is the difference between where we are and the teams that are finishing that top eight to sixteen. So uh, we'll see how that plays out as well. Yeah, and you saying that kind of brings the thought to mind how we talk about the NBA and how the playoffs are different. Well, in in softball, when you get to those regional championships and and past that. It's you're always going to be facing dominant pitching, and a lot of those games are two to one and one to zero, yeah. and the Cajuns. Haven't been particularly built to win a lot of those games. They've been able to do it at times. But, yeah, if, if, if the defense is better, that gives you a much better chance in those games. And they're going to be facing those kinds of games four or five or maybe even six times over the neck between now and Tuesday. So it uh, will be very interesting to see how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, shift gears back to little football talk next. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? 
then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 337 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111 if you would like to get in. All right. I, we commented earlier this week about it. It's amazing to, to me that the people's perception of salary caps have always mystified me. All this talk about dead money and salary caps. and People just put way too much stock in that junk. Um, so I want to look at the two scenarios for the Saints. Let's say they sign Derek Carr and it costs, you know, 30 something million a year to get him. Obviously that's a little more than you want. I still think this year they'll probably figure it out where this year it won't count as much because they'll have more relief next year. And so they'll kind of backload that a little bit, but 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 that's beside the point. Let's say they they sign Derek Carr and he gets he's making thirty something million. And so the the natural reaction is, well, how are they going to build around them? Well, let me my my first question of that question is, what exactly do the Saints need to add that's going to cost all that much money? Like your 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 big ticket, like you know, cornerbacks, offensive tackles, like you you know, those are the things that cost you a lot of money if you have those holes. The holes that the Saints have are defensive tackle. They could potentially draft one or get a veteran. That's not a high ticket position. Um, maybe a guard. Maybe depending on what you're doing with Pete. You might need a guard or, you know, you draft a guard, which could happen. A lot of people think the Saints could draft a guard. You could draft a rookie. And I guess you could spend a lot of money on offensive guard if you went to a really high price one. But you could also get a functional offensive guard without breaking the bank either. I don't I don't consider that as a high price um, um, position. The other thing they need is a possession receiver. Let's say Michael Thomas leaves, like most of us are expecting. You need to get a possession receiver. Now, if you try to get the equivalent of a Michael Thomas one, then, yeah, that's going to cost a lot of money. But if you get a good veteran possession receiver, that's not a high ticket. So, and running back, like, yeah, if you try to get an elite running back maybe, but there are a ton. You could draft a running back. There's like – 15 to 20 veteran running backs that are free agents, and those people do not cost a lot of money. That's why I just really want them to reconcile with Michael Thomas somehow, first of all, because I think he's the best guy at the position you pretty much badly need on the offensive side. Absolutely. So if you were able, if you brought in... But he's got to play. Well, yeah, and that's that's no guarantee. But again, some of the stuff with him has been weird and fluky, perhaps. So, But my, if you brought in Derek Carr and you brought back Michael Thomas... You draft a defensive tackle. Like, this is an ideal world. You draft a defensive tackle, either Pete or a guard fill in. Um, now, you are kind of relying on your edge-rushing guys that are there. To I mean, Cam Jordan, he's only going to play well for so long, so you're relying on a couple of guys there to step up. But 
Yeah, that's that's probably your your ceiling. The problem is even if those things happen, I don't know if this. I mean, you could be a playoff team for sure, but I mean, you're not going to take that next step with with this core. I don't think. But that's why I think the window. Well, what are closed. you missing? Like, okay, so because you don't have a great player, where you're really good everywhere, but I don't know if you're great. You're not great at safety. For sure, I, I I I do think safety potentially is an issue, and so again, that was my biggest concern last year. Got to get a running back, and the safeties have got to get on the same page. We said that over and over and over going into last year. It took until at, at least midseason where the safeties did anything. So there's no question safety is a potential issue, but they they obviously played better the second half because the whole defense played better the second half. They did, and I but I also wonder. You have guys at certain spots, but is this pass rush good enough to make your defense elite again? If the pass rush, if some of these guys and like maybe you get something out of Peyton Turner, maybe you don't. I again, Cam Jordan. Peyton and De- Turner's a key, no question. But where did the Saints? I don't have it in front of me. The Saints didn't finish as low in pass in, in sacks as we in pressures as most of us think. No, they were probably at least middle of the pack. I mean, especially with some of the production you got from Granderson, and again, like. But my, my concern is, like, Cam Jordan and DeMario Davis, specifically those two guys, and there's a couple others, like, how long can they play? Like, DeMario Davis has been playing at an elite level or close to it for so long now. I just wonder when the drop-off comes, and if it, if it happens for multiple of them all at the same time, then you might be in a lot of trouble, and there's, there's no real way out of so, that. So safety is a legitimate concern. Safety's the position that you're worried they're not good enough at. Even if the guys that are a there play game. at the capability of their yes, at the other positions, if the guys hang on, then sure. Who who else are you not in a position to to beat to win a playoff game with? They're not good enough at, at what other position to win a playoff game if Derek Carr is an above average quarterback. The overall consistency of the offensive line concerns me. Now, if they're all healthy and they all play together for a while, then maybe they'll be fine, but I don't know if that group as a unit, especially now, did you hear these concerns about Derek Carr not being able to stand in the pocket? And that's what all the, everybody's, apparently there's a lot of concern. The reason, that, one of the reasons the Raiders let him go is because they said he's not tough enough to take a hit and throw the ball, which I, one of those things, I'm like, keep, let a bunch of other things come out where people say he's not good so that the Saints can get him at a lower oh, price. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's silly. I think some of that is silliness. But I want him somewhat. I mean, you got to be tough, no question. But I also want him to be, you know, to step up in the pocket and, and throw the ball away rather than take a sack. I, I'm not. Now, the other thing that they got to do is get a new kicker. But again, that doesn't cost a lot of money to get a new kicker. So my point is the Saints needs or not in the area of high price other than maybe safety. Like if the safeties don't get better and I think it's logical to assume that the safeties in their second year will do better than they would veteran safeties in a new defense than 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 the first year. Now, let let's flip the script. Let's say they don't get Derek Carr and they go with, you know, Crawfish or someone like at that level. In other words, don't spend a lot of money on quarterback. Where are they going to spend the money? Well, they still won't have a ton of it. They'll but, just, but I, they, I don't know. They will point, have access to it. Because if they don't have access to it, then they wouldn't even make a run at Derek Carr. They wouldn't have made a run at Deshaun Watson last year. Yeah, I mean, 
is is so that's again I'm thinking more about it and is is pass rusher a need or is it not that's that's a big question oh to me. it's a huge question because there are more edge rushers graded as first and second round picks than I can ever remember in any draft ever like this draft is filled with highly now that doesn't mean they're all going to be good I'm just saying there are a lot of edge rushers with first second and third round grades a lot of them. So would you feel comfortable with a rotation at the end spot of Jordan Granderson and possibly Peyton Turner, or would you want something else there? Oh, I would like to. I would. I mean, I I I would like to get one more. Remember, Henderson was a fourth round pick. Yeah, he wasn't immediate an impact though. No, he, it took he, him a couple of years. Yeah, you, and you're maybe right. that's Absolutely when maybe was. Turner is going to have a year like Hendrickson had when he had been around for a couple of years, and maybe that's that step, but. First of all, he's got to stay on the field, and I really have the doubts there because he's at least a guy. Like I, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant when people were saying Zion was injury prone. Like he wasn't injury prone till he got here. Peyton Turner's a guy who had injury problems in college, so it's a longer history, and that makes me a lot more worried. Okay, so where are they going to spend money? Or when I'm saying where are they going to spend, like where do they even need to spend a lot of money other than maybe safety, unless. They need an offensive guard. I also don't, I mean, I think this is, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it would not totally shock me if they make Kyle Turley a guard and draft a tackle in the first round or second round. That would not, that would be a curveball, and I don't expect it at all, but it would not, because I'm not so sure that Kyle Turley's not a guard. You got to tell me who you're referring to here. I've only been on the show a month. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, first round pick from last year, Northern Iowa. Kyle oh, Turley, okay. he's mean. He's, Trevor Penning. He, Trevor Penning likes to just crush people. I know who Kyle Turley kick was. Kick when they're but on I the was, ground. Yeah, but I he's needed... Kyle Turley. Okay. And Chris Alave is Wes Chandler. Okay. Smooth. Yeah. Now, and thin and needs to get more physical because Wes Chandler wasn't very physical either. I think, I think Chris Alave is Wes Chandler. Now, well, hopefully he turns out to be as explosive as West Jam, but he's got to get tougher. But yeah, you don't think Penning? You don't think it's possible Penning's a guard? He's so big though. But I mean, yeah, it's possible. You know, well, that's another. Th- and RP three brought up the other day the idea of of taking a guy like Osiris Torrance to play guard, a guy who we're familiar with. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's totally out of the question. Now, some people have Osiris going in these mocks. You know. 13, 14, 15 range, but guards tend to drop to me. I Every once in a while, you'll yeah, pick a guard really high, but to me, guards tend to drop, so it would not shock me if he's there. Yeah, and I I don't love the idea ever of, of having to draft linemen with the idea of them playing right away. I think, I guess some guys are more ready than others. We saw Penning, they didn't feel like he was ready right away. Then it didn't matter because he was hurt anyway, but um, yeah, that's one where... Now is that's when I said the overall question of offensive line, like is Ruiz gonna be a factor? Is McCoy gonna come back and be healthy? Are those is Well, I mean you could say that about anybody. That's M- fair. M- M- McCoy, Ruiz, most people thought he had his best season as a Saint last year. Yeah, I did too. I did. But I have a I have I'm a more track worried record. about Ramchek's injury, because Ramchek was was very durable his first couple years but the last two years he's had his own injury concerns yeah he has and but and so in again when we keep talking about in an ideal world when if you had 
Penning and Ramchek on either side playing to where we think they're capable. Ruiz and McCoy, and then of course if it's Pete or one, or another guy in the in the in the interior, yeah, you feel pretty good about that unit. They've all played at a high level at one That's point or another saying. in their career. I mean, all these people say, "Oh, the Saints are so far away, and they got to add all these pieces. How are they going to do it? Who do they have to add that's going to cost a lot of money? Maybe a safety, maybe an offensive lineman. Now, are they going to get in some you know bidding war for some veteran edge rusher? I, you know, I guess that's theoretically possible, but." I I think if they really think they need an edge rusher where they are right now, I think they'll just draft one. I just, it's another reason why you just cannot draft a stupid rookie quarterback and just throw that pick away. Like, you need to help your team. Drafting a rookie quarterback is just a wasted pick. It's just a waste. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these. Oh, you're an idiot. You know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Today, we've touched a lot of bases. We've talked baseball. We've talked college baseball. We've talked college softball, the NFL, college basketball tonight. Cajuns are playing at home against ULM, they really need to get a win. I don't really know. You know, I felt pretty good about this team ever since the season started. Even at 0-2, I mean, it didn't look good at 0-2, but I'm like, I still think this is a good team. And then they played that really good third game against Southern Miss, and they looked great for a while, and now they've lost two in a row. It will be very interesting to see how they respond tonight. Um, other games of interest in the Sun Belt. ODU is at James Madison. I could see that game going either way. Georgia Southern is at Marshall. I mean, you would expect Marshall to win, but I think Georgia Southern's a capable team. Uh, that's one one worth keeping an eye on. And Southern Miss is at South Alabama again. Maybe I'm fooling myself with South Alabama. But I still think that's a very capable team, especially on a given night. So I, uh, th- those are the three games I'm going to be keeping an eye on in addition to, obviously, the Cajuns playing Monroe tonight. Yeah, the, the Southern Miss one, I mean, it, of course, it means the most, too, because the, the Cajuns have the most to potentially gain if they can get up there. And I agree with you. Not only is South Alabama playing well, but Troy stole a game from them last Thursday night. They feel to me like they might be due for a big good performance in a win. You talk about circumstance games. Maybe South Alabama and Southern Miss, of course, is due to play poorly. They have they've been playing really well. 
So maybe that's a trap game for them, them kind of already thinking they have the regular season title. And if they and so Southern Miss, they have a two game lead, so they can feel okay. If they lose tonight and the Cajuns win, all of a sudden it gets really uncomfortable for them the rest of the way. So that's what you would want. So right. we'll see. So as a Cajun fan, do you want ODU to win? Or James Madison to win? That one's weird. I actually probably want James Madison to win because my worst fear is falling out of the top four. four. If you fall to, you know, down you to four. You want to keep all those. You want Troy and the ODUs Troy in the world to lose. Troy and Old Dominion are the only two teams that realistically can come up and catch you for the fourth spot. So, yeah, I think probably just go with James Madison to win there. And if worst case scenario in all this is hopefully falling into the four seed which, again, I don't think is all that. The worst thing about being the four seed would be that whoever ends up fifth, whether it's Troy or Old Dominion, you'd have to play in your first game potentially if they win. But even if you're third, you're going to have to play one of those teams, you know, or second. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think actually root against, you know, root for James Madison tonight and then on Saturday. Also, if you handle your business on Saturday, it won't matter anyway. Uh, the women will play at Monroe uh, tonight, and and they need to get a win. Um, they're the other games to watch in that on the women's side. Not as uh, the only really game that you would. Th- I mean, there's a, you can always have an upset. You know, like Arkansas State beat Troy last week, so you can always have an upset. But James Madison is at Texas State, so if the Cajuns win. You know, they could be in back and they're tied for fifth right now. But, but it's a little deceiving because they're tied for fifth, but they're one game out of second place. Like, you know, that that could you could make up ground in a weekend in a hurry, especially depending on who wins or loses the James Madison Texas State game. Yeah, they're in a they're one hundred percent in a position of controlling their own destiny as far as that top four is. If they win, you know, now and we again we've kind of seen there's not really anybody that we don't feel like they can play with. No, they they can beat anybody in the league other than maybe James Madison. Like they've yeah, only played James Madison once and they got beat, but that was not an unwinnable game. They they didn't shoot it well at all in that game. It's you know, it's another thing like that call against Troy, like it doesn't get quite the headline that it would if, because if this it's was women. a more right. higher profile conference even. Like, you know, if that happened to the LSU women, you think about the national storylines. That's a huge. That could change the. I mean, you're talking about hanging Everything. a banner. Yeah, that, that call that could, is that's just mo- brutal. It, if they finish strong, they're going to be saying, "Man, that might have cost us the conference championship." Like that was, that was inexcusably bad. That 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 was that was really really bad. So, the point of all that is plenty of college basketball that we could discuss if you would like to as well. By the way, I looked it up during the break. The Saints finish fifth in the NFL in sacks last season out of 32 teams. Fifth in sacks. Now, were they as dynamic as the Eagles? No, but they were seven sacks out of second place Um, because the Eagles were like 15 sacks ahead of everyone. Um, Again, I know some people, you know, think I'm way too glass half full, and I I get that, but – but this idea that they're just so far away, I just don't know where that narrative. I just don't. I don't. I just don't see it that way. Uh, would I like to be better on the defensive front? Yeah, you always want to get better. I, it'd be nice to get. I mean, look, they got nothing out of Davenport. They got nothing out of Peyton Turner, and they finished fifth in the NFL in sacks. 
Yeah, that's that number surprises me too. It doesn't feel like they were that good of a defensive team, or or well, that good I of don't a pass. think they were. I think the defense stunk for the first six or seven games. But it was outstanding. It was, it was a. It didn't go. It didn't get enough attention either because of how bad the offense was and how they didn't win all those games. But the defense, the last eight games, was was one Played of the best really well. eight game yeah. stretches, and and a, most of that was without their best defensive player, and and that's they won. I mean. And I'm just telling you, this team was built to win if they had just got if Michael Thomas plays, and that's day one plays. They will never, they were never that good at cornerback in the history of the franchise. And you win games by getting first downs and 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 stopping people in the playoffs. They were going to be able to stop people. If that day one played, had stayed healthy, they were going to be able to stop people. They just needed some sort of spark on offense. And Michael Thomas, I think, would if he could have just played. And I know he never plays, but it's like, man, like who, again, who else has a player in his prime that hasn't played for three years with injuries? Like, the, you say, well, how can you, well, like, who else, do, who does this happen to? Like, he hasn't ba- he essentially hasn't played in three seasons. In the middle of his prime. It's just, how does that happen? And it's not like, you know, I mean, one of those years, yeah, but the other two years, like, he should have been playing, it seems like. It's just so. And again, even if he didn't play a down, and I know this guy, you know, if Jarvis would have played, just just give me an NFL possession receiver and an NFL running back that doesn't fumble and knows how to run and a kicker can make kicks. That's all I need. That's all I need. I just – all I heard was Cesar Ruiz is terrible. Well, maybe he's not terrible. Oh, the Saints have – the tight end position is just horrible. Well, really wasn't very – was actually pretty good. I mean – you know, the preseason question marks, Cesar Ruiz, that's what everybody talked about, Cesar Ruiz and the tight ends. Well, the tight ends turn out to be one of the bright spots of the offense. But all I keep hearing is just how terrible and hopeless and how so they're so far away, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't see it. Just make some kicks. Don't fumble. Give me a quarterback that, like, doesn't like to take socks on every play. It's not really that complicated. Not asking for the world here. And a running, give me an NFL running back, which was totally self-induced. Like that started before Dennis Allen was ever the coach. Just why in the world they got rid of Tavis Murray, I will never understand that. I mean, this is not complicated stuff. I'm not asking to trade for LeBron James in his prime here. An NFL kicker, an NFL running back who can just run up the middle. This is not complicated stuff. We're not asking for the world. Unbelievable. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. 
Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Got time if you would like to get in. 706-0111. Um, we talked about this yesterday. And apparently, again, I'm, I'm not going to call it a report. We'll call it speculation. But apparently, there's some truth to this speculation that Rex Ryan really might be the next defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. I can't really wrap my mind around that. Like, Rex Ryan. You know, Casper's one of the head coaches. He doesn't like his defensive coordinator. He don't like any of his – he wants no one to really know anything about his assistant goal. Like, he, he's the, he is the boss. He runs the show. Like, you know, he. I don't think, you know, you can tell he, he did not get along with – when his defensive coordinator was in the news and, and became a press conference guy. He didn't seem to like that very – I mean, is he really going to be able to shut Rex Ryan up? Can you – is Rex Ryan even – capable of shutting up like that guy I'm not saying he doesn't know anything about defense but is he even capable of laying low yeah it's it's interesting I mean as a head coach he was obviously I mean he wasn't afraid to try to take shots at New England and everything when they were trying to do but yeah I mean I, I don't know the argument there is that he's always been great on the defensive side and maybe if he's not in the head coaching position and maybe Sean sits him down and and maybe they're already having those conversations where he's saying, hey, if you come in, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. And maybe Rex is willing to do that to try and, maybe and get one last age, run. You know, he's, he's done with some of that. But the bottom line is those are both huge chip-on-your-shoulder guys, like humongous chip-on-your-shoulder guys. And, and, like, I was telling Michelle and, and the girls the other day, from the moment he gets there, Everything is going to be about beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Like he, it, uh, you know, it would not surprise me if they have beat the Kansas City Chiefs toilet paper. Like I, I, I just think everything is going to be about. They're going to. They are both incredibly petty, incredibly chip on their shoulder guys, and they, you know, he's going to get to where you know he's going to hate the. The Chiefs, just like he, you know, he hated the Falcons and the Bucks at the end. And if they hire Rex Ryan, he's going to, you know, the Chiefs are going to be like the Patriots were for him when he was with the Jets. You know, that might be what the Broncos need. I don't know why, but I, I see this like this like cast of characters that's like slowly assembling in, in Denver with Sean and potentially Rex and Russell Wilson and all that. I just see it working, and I don't know why I see that. But I will say this. It feels like it's either going to be a rousing success and they make it to the playoffs and make a run, or they're going to be horrible. Like, I don't see this team being mediocre. Uh, I don't. 
With the way that the, the, the number of personalities and talent that's going to be in that room, I don't know. That's The only way I see it being horrible is if the defense takes a huge step backwards, which, again, the defense was really good last year, especially the defense was the – I don't know what they were ranked at the end and all that, but I don't even – it didn't even matter. The defense was really good when you consider the fact that they were playing with one of the worst offenses of this century, like – the Broncos' offense this year was one of the worst offenses of this century in the NFL. Like It was historically bad. Yeah, you talk about the Saints, if you just get me 20 points, the Broncos, they'd have been like a, a really good oh, team if yeah. they just scored I mean, 20 points a really game. really good and on defense this year. Um, and they did all that trading away Bradley Chubb. Like What they did defensively was kind of crazy good. They, they, they Again, so – I don't know. Is, is the game pass regs by? I don't know. I wouldn't think so from a defensive schematic standpoint. That's the only way I could see them really bad because there's no way the offenses can be as bad as it was last year. That's impossible. Like, there's just no way. It's going to be better. And um, and as long as the defense doesn't take too much of a drop-off, you know, they'll be better, you know. But, again – Will the will the Raiders be better? I don't know. You know, I haven't analyzed the Broncos yet. I think they'll be better unless the defense just becomes bad because the offense certainly won't be good enough to support a bad defense. You know, I don't. No way they're going to make that much progress. But they'll be better. Yeah, it's the AFC in general is going to be fascinating because and when you whenever it happens like this, we kind of seen it in the NBA a little bit. Whenever there's all these teams where we go, well, that team's going to be great and that team's going to be great. Some of them aren't. It's just right. going to be interesting to figure out who it's going to be. I think the Chargers will be the, the team to maybe take the biggest step backwards if, if you're going to pick a team that's just because I don't really fully trust the coaching staff over there. But, like, one of these teams oh, that's got a good – See, last year when we know. all thought the AFC was going to be, like, the best unbelievable conference ever, everybody thought Denver and Oakland were going to be good. Turned out they weren't good. Yeah, so that so you're right. And so th- there's going to be – some of these teams we're talking about in the AFC, there's not going to be ten great teams because no. obviously – even if they were all good, they're going to play each other and beat each other. So some of these teams, and even with these superstar quarterbacks, as many as we talked about, Burrow and Allen, like a couple of those teams now, of course, maybe some of them have injuries, but it'll be really interesting to see like which teams take steps back to make room for the others. And, and again, I'm going to remind us of this a few times, so might as well do The Bengals, as good as they were, were one fluke play away from losing to Tyler Huntley and the Baltimore Ravens. One fluke play away from losing to Tyler Huntley and the Ravens. Y'all have a nice day.